and so I am so grateful for Reverend Jack Elliott um, speaking last Sunday and bringing us a, a personal message of evolution and divine knowing. So grateful. Today, I'm just going to let this unfold the way it uh, the, the way it comes. It has shifted a few times here. Just maybe I can begin by reminding us that we are indeed on an adventure in faith. Always and in all ways. My sense is that as life is unfolding in all of its myriad ways, so there's tremendous joy and bliss, and there's sorrow and difficult times that are also being experienced, and sometimes almost simultaneously. That is to say that no sooner than you have the, the blissful, joyful experience, you get something in the mail or a call. And, and so very often, we are in this, this kind of, I realize as I'm rocking, I want to say this teeter-tottering. <laughs> a blast from the past. <laughs> uh, this sense of, of instability in our spiritual awareness. I know from which I speak that although I have studied this for decades and been licensed to teach it and ordained to preach it, I still fall and Lord knows sometimes I have to call for help to get up. And it's in getting up, what I mean is raising my consciousness shifting my thinking from low-level vibration thoughts. Because what? Low-level vibration thoughts get us low-level vibration life. And so when we know this, even when we slip and fall, we go, oh, Lord, no, not here. <laughs> not this spot. This is not where I'm going to park. This is not where I'm going to pull over and fall out. This is not where I'm going to spend the next several months. Unless, of course, you do. Now, allow me to just say that if you find yourself, like I have, in situations, circumstances, where I was there for longer than I should have been, <laughs> What I found is that there were lessons there for me. There was, it was not time wasted. I don't even regret it because now I look and see, oh, bless her heart. She needed to have apparently all of that. I would never have ordered it online. <laughs> but given that I had it, I can stand before you and say I squeezed all the juice out of it. You know, like since I'm there, let me learn. Every, because why? I don't intend to come this way again. I'm going to do my best. Like, oh, I see what happens when I do that, when I think that, when I hold these thoughts, when I believe erroneously. Now that I know, I'm like, let me get this straight because I don't want to come this way near, near another time. Not another time do I intend to go through that. Which means, it's one thing to say it. I mean, it's easy. It just kind of rolls off the tongue. But it's another to, I feel like, dedicate my life to choosing something else. Choosing higher. Some would say choosing righteously. Choosing from a place other than pain and sorrow. Now, it, there's no way to live this life and not have some pain and sorrow. The question is whether we dig our heels in and live from, speak from, operate from that low-level vibration. Life is going to deal 
what life deals based by right of consciousness, let's be clear. And so if we are forever engaged in our commitment to a higher vibration thinking, being, living, doing, yes? So this adventure in faith is ongoing. It's ongoing in the sense that on any given day, I invite you to see the day unfold as an adventure in faith. Let me tell you how that works for me. Is I get less attached to how I think it ought to be. And I find that it wrecks less havoc with my health and well-being. Because what? I'm, I'm simply on an adventure in faith. And Lord knows, put the graphic up, because I want to remind us of how that can look for us. This is just one idea depiction of an adventure in faith. So the idea, let me look at mine, is that the road, it's not clear where it's going on this adventure in faith. And it appears to end in an odd spot. <laughs> so for me, when I think about this, it, it reminds me of how wide open I must be for living how available I must be for life because life has its twists and turns. And in any given moment, I don't know where my thoughts are going to take me. I don't know what's going to happen that day. And I've told you, I've done tremendous amount of study. And that is not an inoculation against stupidity. You you know what I'm saying? That, that there are just, a, because this is, first of all, let me be clear, this is not a mountaintop teaching. This is not me having come to the top of the mountain and I'm like shouting down at y'all. This ain't that. This is often me in the valley trying to holler up, don't come this way, not now. <laughs> it's rough over here. Wait till some people get the lessons and then, you know, huddle up with them be in the coaching group with them, be in the, in the workshop, whatever it is, so that we can, continue, we can be in continuous learning on our adventure in faith. Yes? Yes. All right. So look, <clears throat> where there is what I'm calling this notion of how we flow in consciousness. And it's the, it's the little diagram that was put up earlier uh, when we were looking for the adventure in faith. And I'm only going to focus, we have not moved beyond the lower left. <laughs> we just haven't, because we got to get this. Or we're going to repeatedly end up there without an awareness of where we are and why we're there and what to do while we're there. Because while we're there, the idea is to not be like the little fellow over there who's chained up, who we, well, let's not try to imagine what that one is thinking. When you're in that situation circumstance where your sense is that you have been victimized. And once you're victimized, you are, you're the victim. So once you're in a consciousness, a sense of, a vibration of I am, I'm a victim. Now, you may never say those words to yourself, but you can tell by the posture you've been there. You know, crouch down in the cut, wondering, what it's going to take to get out, regretful that you're there, denying that you had anything to do with being there. Note to self, wherever you are, you have everything to do with being there. Wherever you are, 
top of mountain, bottom of valley, has your fingerprints on it. It's true for all of us because we live life by right of consciousness. All right. So, look, I just want to set the tone here quickly. Ralph Waldo Emerson says, as a man thinketh, so is he. So many of us know this right away. The rest of it is, as he or she, they chooseth, so is that one, and so is nature. <clears throat> Pardon me. <clears throat> Meaning to me, what manifests out of that? So how you are, excuse me. <clears throat> so how I am demonstrates in some way. That's what I think he means by nature. How you are, the way you are thinking, has a, somebody would say, consequence. It certainly has an output. It has an effect. How you are thinking is causal for your life. There's no way to separate. There are no, like, free thoughts. No, like, thoughts that are just neutral where you can, I'm just going to thank this for a while, and then I'm going to hope that it has no impact. All of our thinking has an impact because it is what forms our life. Our life is formed out of our thoughts. If we could imagine, if you will, that your thoughts had some specific form, like think Legos, think building blocks, think something you put together, puzzle pieces, any of that, bring that to mind. See. This is almost a little pop quiz here. Because if you can't use your imagination for this, you're going to be lost. Imagination is key. Because if you're only living from what has already happened, then it means you repeat that. So your imagination is key for successful forward motion. Our prayer process must include your imagination. You got to see this. If you're not seeing it, you're not going to be it. You're going to be hoping for it and wishing for it and reaching for it. And it will be outside of your grasp until you can get to a point where you can see it. Look at here. Wait, 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 wait. Until you can see yourself in that. I don't think y'all understand it all. I don't think you get it. Because look, the vision is to, what's the vision? Somebody tell me, what's the vision that you're nurturing? What's the prayer request? Somebody with some courage, health. It's health and well-being. So for the one who... Let's just imagine, if you will, that that one who has that as the frame of mind has had a diagnosis, a prognosis, or is at least, if they haven't gone that far, they are troubled by their current symptoms. That one, thinking about what I've just said today, let's pretend that they're here now. Here's what they could be doing. They could have an awareness, oh my goodness, is she saying if I continue to just think about this ache in my side, the way my back bothers me whenever fill in the blank, or the way my knee, as if I continue to imagine that I'll require a knee replacement, if I continue to imagine and begin to read up on whether it's rheumatoid arthritis or some other type, if I persist in becoming an expert at what the pain and discomfort is, then this is the consequence. The consequence of that thinking is that I'm holding on to it. I am holding the idea of the knee pain or botheration in a fixed pattern, and I am beginning to label it, to give it encouragement. It don't know what it is, but I'm beginning to name it 
And once I name it, read Genesis, once you name it, it is. So now, even if it really isn't, it is for you. Why? Because not only have you named it, but in your naming, you slipped up and called it mine. So not only have you named it, but you've owned it. You have in your own way violated or just used the law against yourself rather than for your highest good. Does that make sense? Okay, for the people over here, some of them. Yeah, okay. All right, good. So you can begin to see what Ralph Waldo Emerson is saying is that as an individual thinks, because you're not speaking out of anything other than what you've been thinking. Those two go right together. And your actions follow that. So he's saying that all of what you think makes a huge difference. You can't afford to get sloppy with that. Because it absolutely determines who you are, what you choose for yourself, and what is demonstrated manifest in your life. Yeah? These are high stakes. At least that's how it seems to me. That helps me to get my act together when I'm like, well, you know, because sometimes you're like, well, what's the consequence? I'll take my chances. This ain't that. This is my sense where you want to set this mess straight so that you can have different outcomes. Outcomes much more in alignment with your prayer, with your vision, with your dreams, with your hopes. In Matthew 8 and 13, Yeshua, the master teacher that the world ultimately came to call Jesus, says there's this experience where he's saying to the centurion here, Go and it will be done for you just as you have believed. And this, in the, the rest, in, let me give you a little more. Y'all know that story already? So you, some, do I? So that, okay, all right. So look, the centurion has come and asked for the master teacher, Yeshua, to come with him to, to do the healing. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> And the master teacher says, because of your faith and knowing, and well, I'm sorry, the centurion says, you don't even have to come. I know you don't have to come because look, as a centurion, I'm in charge of some folks. And the folks I'm in charge of, I don't have to show up in their face. I tell them, go do that, and they do it. I tell them, go, go there and be there, and they go. So I understand the power of one in charge. So you don't have to come. All you have to do is say the word. And the master teacher says, oh, I see who you are. You one who knows. You just go on home and it's done unto you as you believe because you understand how the law works. So you're not requiring that I come and touch, that I come and see. You understand how it works at the level of thought and execution. So I don't, so I want you to go and it will be done for you just as you have believed. And then the scripture says, and the boy was healed in that exact moment. When that awareness, see, it's by right of consciousness. When that awareness was clear and present, the healing is what took place. Does this make sense? Yes. All right, all right, all right. So I'm setting the stage here. Okay, so we're back to our little fella in the lower left because this is us on any given day where we are living out that it is done unto me as I believe. So imagine, if you will, what are you believing when you're in this state? What are you believing? There's some, somebody said aloud, woe is me. We've been there, yes? Woe is me. It ain't going to get no better. Ain't it awful? 
I'm at the, why me for sure? I'm at the effect of this. We can see, and as we are saying any of this to ourselves, if we could see ourselves, if we could see like our aura, one, it is getting darker, and our consciousness, if we will, or our sense of self is shrinking all the while. We are just, can you? And so you see just in this particular posture, I like to think that, I love the fact that this one is covering their eyes. So they're not even trying to see beyond the situation. Because what do you do when you're here? You are looking within. That posture tells you what's within. So that one is reinforcing whatever got them there. Yes? And I, I want to, what we're going to be doing is looking at that, and we're going to be telling the truth that we're not looking at this little fella as the little fella. That's us. That's each of us, and it behooves us to discern how am I, what, what situation was that? What happened so that you can, you can decode it, so that you can unpack it, so that, you, so that it's not just the thing that happened to you, and now you're glad you're not there, so that you can see what is the rule? What are the, how is this game called life played? What really happened? What did I do? What happened to me? How did I get, what, you know, we, te we have a how I got over story, but let's look very carefully at it. You didn't just magically get up and move away. What? Doing your best to discern. What was it? How did you get to that point where you knew you no longer had to stay in that condition? You no longer had to stay in that circumstance. Yes. Because it's from that that we can be much more like the centurion who is understanding how it worked. Here's how I got out of it the last time. Let me try that and maybe add a little something to it so that I come into greater and greater, more expanded awareness about the innate, pow innate power that I have, that my word has. Now, it cuts both ways. We're going to realize that our word got us in there, our, our thought and our word got us in it, and our thought and our word will get us out of it as well. Yes? Yes. Ernest Holmes says, it is only common sense to recognize that what this law does for you, it must of necessity do through you. So there's no, there's no excising you from the equation. And I have to say this to you because so often we want somebody else to do it. This is how we have gotten the kind of fake medical system. Faux. Little faux medical system that we have. That has so little, it's not based on a health care model. By right of consciousness. Because we often go and we just give ourselves away. Not taking responsibility for how we got there. Like divorcing what we eat from how our body is going to show up. Divorcing what we ingest at the level of beverage or whatever it is. Divorcing that, separating that from the life that we live. And the quality of living that's available to us in that. Is this making sense? Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Ernest Holmes says also that the gift of life is not complete until it's accepted. You know little guy is not accepting the gift of life. Our little guy is caught up in the past, is caught up in something that happened that was, I'm going to say, devastating. I know and I've shared with you that the past two years, for me, first of all, let me just say I'm emphasizing past. Let me just say past and then pause for the effect of that. The past two years were horrendous for me. Took me to my knees on so many levels, the grief, 
the, the heartbreak, the, just all of the emotions. And throughout that, there were several times where I forgot what I know. I wasn't, it was like centurion, who? Where? Yeah, couldn't be. And then, praise God, I could come to myself. There was never a time that I just stayed out, but sometimes it wasn't high thinking. You know, just a little mediocre thought, a little something to just keep me from going under completely. And then ultimately getting to a point of greater inner strength and moving beyond it. So again, this is not a mountaintop teaching, and this is not one where I've just imagined stuff to come up in here and tell y'all. This is instead me applying principle to my own life and sharing it with you that it might be beneficial for you as well. Oh, Lord, yes. Um, so I want to share... There's several pieces I want to share with you, well, a few now, uh, from Ernest Holmes. And I want you to, to hear them. I'm going to ask you to, like, open up your inner ear so that there is more listening than hearing happening. This is what Ernest Holmes said, and I have to admit I've been doing just a little tweaking here, so... Forgive me, my prayer is that that's not offensive to you, that I have taken some license with his work. He has offered us, if you believe in only a little good. Now, let me just say, believing in only a little good is better than not believing in any. Okay, so that's like a, but if you believe in only a little good, then the law will be compelled to operate on that little good. Can you see at the level of thought? If all you can manage is a thimble of good in your imagination, just, just a little piece, Lord. Just a little, just a tenanchi, just a, you know, just a little bit, just I'm not worthy. Yeah. And I've there was a decades ago, I was very active in, in another ministry that had a different teaching. And I had begun studying this, but I was still, and, and, and the way Ernest Holmes began this teaching, it was not to start a church. It was not to have people to come to one center. It was teaching principle. And so I was doing very much like the folks back in the 20s were doing, was going to him to get to teaching and then being wherever they were in life. So I was attending a very mainstream uh, community church, and, um, but was studying, in addition, these principles. And one Sunday, as we recited, I am not so worthy as to gather up the crumbs under thy table. I heard me gasp. Now, I had for years recited that phrase as a part of the recitation on the Sunday mornings as often as we recited it. It's been so long now, I can't tell you what it was, the whole piece of it. But I remember I was shocked into, and I remember that, remember the congregation was standing, and I just sat down. I almost fell into my seat. And I sat there thinking, Lord, what am I? I've been doing this work to work on my consciousness and be aware of my thinking and my words, and I come in here and recite with over 100 people. And there's power in that. I recite with over 100 people that I am not so worthy as to gather up the crumbs under thy table. And so I knew I had to, one, stop saying that and listen more carefully to what I was agreeing to, which meant I had to bring myself to a higher awareness, a listening, not a hearing, a listening of what is it that's being said in my presence that I'm like nodding to. And what am I reciting? I had not paid attention until that moment. So this notion of 
only believing a little good is better than not being worthy so as to gather up the crumbs under the table. But it still is not your vision for your life. He goes on to say, if, and see, I've capitalized and underlined the if, because it is dependent on you. If you can say, I have a little good, it will produce this small amount of good for you. But if you say all the good there is, is mine, with equal certainty, it will produce a larger good. Can you see your role in it? Now, I know this may piss somebody off who didn't want to have to have a particular role in this. They were kind of wanting to roll up in here this morning and just have something given to them, and they'd go out brighter and lighter and all the things. This ain't that. This requires that you do it if, if you focus, if you align with the truth, if you see beyond your, your current circumstance, if you listen to another possibility, if you let go of focusing on the pain. Now, I'm not saying none of this is easy. You didn't, you didn't hear me use the word easy, did you? Because easy don't have nothing to do about transforming your life. Anybody who tell you easy, well, that's not part of my talk about them. Okay. So look, at the, all the, if you believe that wherever you go, you will meet with love and friendship with appreciation and gratitude, then this will become the law of your life. But only if. Yeah. Don't get excited about it. Yeah. Unless you gonna buy in. You know, if this were if this were a card game, this would be you getting in there. If this was this is you having, this isn't just, I'm not promising you that this is yours, unless you get in here. Unless you get in here at the level of belief centurion, unless you claim and practice a level of knowing and willingness. Oh, Lord. So look, <laughs> I'm going to have to. Ooh. Okay. the mind principle that is around you, and there is one around all life, the mind principle, the, the knowing, divine knowing, the presence of the divine around you is reactive to your thought. Can you sense this? You feeling not worthy calls forth the experiences that are aligned with unworthiness. So for anybody, I'm going to help you out here before I go sit down. Okay. I'm going to help you out. So listen up here. If one of the things that you say is, why me? You know, when it gets rough, gets hard, if your response is, why me? And you know, you got a face that goes with that. You got to do the whole drag. Why me? Why me? This is the answer. It's by right of consciousness. The mind principle that surrounds each and every one of us is always reactive to, responsive to our thinking. Don't feel worthy? You, will, you are drawing to you the experiences that come out of unworthiness. So look. Its chief characteristic is its susceptibility to impression. And your thought is an impression. Your thought is an impression on law, universal law. It receives the slightest vibration of your thought and acts upon it. Here's, and that, now for some, that feels like, oh, Lord, no. <laughs> right? I mean, tell the truth. For some of us, that's like, no. Tell me if that ain't so. No, not, not all that stuff I've been thinking. Here's the good news. Love always finds a way. I'm telling you, look at here. 
Do you want to do you want some joy in your time? Are you trying to find some peace of mind? Everybody can say yeah. For, for whom that applies? If you're not, don't say nothing. All you need to, okay, do you want to find some joy in your time? Y'all are just weak. I'm going to try it again. Do you want some joy in your time? Yes. Are you trying to find some peace of mind? Yes. All you need to know is love will find a way. Yes, Lord. Yes. Yes. So look, with, I'm going to go back to Ernest Holmes, um, where he says that the mind principle around you is reactive to your thought. Remember, this is where we stopped. Its chief characteristic is its susceptibility to impression. Now, if I were going to advise you, and I'm not, but if I, was, if I were that type to just say that that's the part to write down, I'd probably say that. But I'm not, because you're going to write down that or nothing. I would say that that's the money phrase, though. That when you understand how the law, universal law in principle, is totally susceptible to the impression of your thought, now, I'm surprised I don't hear nobody sucking air. Because that's like a thing. That's like you can go, oh, my God, I've been doing that all the time. I have been thinking thoughts without giving any consideration to the consequence of that thinking, the impress of that thought on universal law. Like any time we are speaking negatively about ourselves or anyone else, but let's just focus on ourselves. Those times when you make a mistake and you then proceed to cuss yourself out, you are making an impression in that moment when you say, I'm so stupid, why do I always get it wrong? An impression. Why am I always the one who, or I never get, an impression. Nobody will ever an impression, all of this is setting our lives, setting a mold, like one of those old-fashioned jello molds, <laughs> setting a mold for your life and your experience. That's how this thing works. So look, this idea that Ernest Holmes says that this law, this universal law that we're talking about, also acts like a mirror. When you withdraw old images of thought and place new ones in front of the mirror of mind, yeah? Okay, watch this. Valda, bring me that my little mirror right there on the thing. I'm just, come on now. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so look, we, we have been there where you look in the mirror and all you can see is what's wrong. I'm on you whatever it is, and you name it. I have sense enough not to right now because I'm not trying to make any impressions that I'm not interested in having. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, so we know what it's like to look in the mirror and all you can, the first thing is not, oh, what a great color that is. <laughs> that, you see, rather than seeing the thing, I was seeing how that was out of order. So that's like the perfect example real time. What did I notice? Not just how gorgeous. <laughs> Not how the inner glow was just almost blinding me. Instead, what I saw was the little necklace was askew. Isn't that, this is what I'm talking about. What I focused on was something askew. Even in the midst of teaching the thing about don't do that. This is me forgiving me. Yes. <laughs> Just blessing my heart, Lord. So the idea is that the truth here is that in looking right now, I could see whatever I want to see. You know, I can see whatever is out of order. And then 
I can do my spiritual work, my spiritual practice, lifting my awareness to a higher vibration, and nothing will have changed physically. You know what I mean? If we literally took a photograph, I'd be looking at exactly the same thing, but I would see something else. It shows the power in our thought, the control that we have if we execute it on our thinking. That what we see is determined by what we are willing to see. Okay. Not our ocular system. It's what we're seeing, not looking at. Looking at is more the ocular system, focused on. This seeing is an inner job. It's inner work, discerning what you want to see. And what you want to see, let me just tell you quickly here, is in total alignment with your vision, your prayer, your dreams. I know it's counterintuitive because we're taught to explore why that's not possible. And in the most spiritual way, I want to say cut that mess out. <laughs> Stop doing that. Your job is not to weigh the odds of you getting the home. Weigh the odds of you having a well, healthy meat. Your, your job is not to do the research on how bad it is. Now that doesn't mean you won't have to do some research because no doubt somebody's going to offer you some drugs around it. You need to know before you start taking whatever it is, what, it, what that is, and the, what they call side effects, which are simply other effects. You know what I mean? They're on par with the effect that you desire. Is this? I, I, now I'm not saying this. I need to really make sure we're clear about this. There are simply effects. That side effect thing, don't fall for that. Whatever the medicine, whatever the drug, whatever the chemical is, it has effects, period. Now, there may be 20 of them. Do you see now that they advertise medicine on television? <laughs> and the little print at the bottom over several lines? That's what I'm talking about. And sometimes when they say it aloud, you know, it's not funny. We do laugh because we're just wondering what exactly is the effect that we're looking for? Because the risk is, so now I'm way off topic. But the idea is based on cause and effect, there are lots of effects. And the fact that they will call it a side effect, your body doesn't know nothing about that. It just knows that when that gets in there, it does some stuff. It does some stuff you want, and it does some stuff potentially that you're not interested in at all. So you're going to have to be awake and aware throughout the whole process. But the idea here is, is that this idea of the mirror is that Ernest Holmes is saying that when you place something new there, and that new is within you, do you understand that? It's not like going to get somebody else to put in your mirror. It's looking through new eyes. It's seeing yourself in a different way. If you were with us last summer and the summer before, it was really the summer before where we did massive mirror work. And I suggested you do some nude mirror work in the privacy of your home so that you could really get into you. So many of us don't even want to see ourselves. Can I just tell you how that handicaps your most powerful outcomes if you're not really willing to look at you? I mean, can you get there? Can you really sense your relationship with you? I know you got a whole prayer board and, and vision board, and you just got all the stuff going on, but if you can't look at you, ain't none of that really happening. Because who's it going to happen for? If you're not connected with you and you can't see yourself in that and you can't if you can't see yourself. If you can't stand to see you for an extended glaze, gaze, for an extended gaze, you can't really see you in that outcome. 
Just saying. Just saying. I'm just saying. He says, if you, they say, now you're starting to meddle, Rip. We were liking your talk. You start getting us naked in the mirror. But <laughs> if you only half withdraw the old images, and the images are in your mind, it's the way you see yourself. See, this is the you that argues with people. When they say, oh, you look so good, you start pointing out why that's not true. It's that shift that we're talking about. That's the shift we're talking about. I got to go. Because, you know, please, the police, you know, it just, you can't just talk all day long to the people. So, look, I'm going to close with um, Dr. Dan. Uh, this is also, by the way, this is our summer school read as well. Um, Guidance for a Spiritual Journey is what is our read for this year, and for summer school, we're going to focus on it. So we're going to do some stuff for the five weeks that we're together. We're going to focus using this same work. So for tomorrow, July 10th, um, Dr. Dan offers us this, faith is creative power. I'm going to try to make this a little larger so I'm not straining. Okay, not that large. Okay. Um, he says, creative faith is a mental attitude which is so convinced of its own idea that any contradiction is unthinkable and impossible. Think centurion. Creative faith as a mental attitude. That, can you feel that? That when you say, mm-mm, mm-mm, I'm not, no, I'm not having that. My kidney, no. My, no. When you have such a, a, a clear sense of the no, the power in denying it, it's not, it's not a trivial thing because you're standing in creative faith. You are much like the centurion where you just know. And it's not a false knowing. You have put absolutely everything, all of your energy, you are the vibration of the thing itself. Because manifestation requires the mental, emotional, spiritual equivalency in vibration. So if you have a sense of it, and you're like thinking it, and you writing it, and you journaling about it, you just doing all that, but you're not feeling it, it ain't happening. This is why it's the mental and emotional. You're going to have to feel this too. So it's you have to be all in, not just hanging out by the curb on it, you know, in the vicinity of your good. You're going to have to see it. And here's the test. When you wake up in the morning, can you still with your eyes closed, can you visualize it? I mean, can you, is it, oh, you in the new house. You're driving the new car. Your knee is flexible and your back, whatever the thing is, yes? yes? Now, there's nothing I'm saying here that is to be construed with surgery is unnecessary or not a good thing. We, that can be a part of the answered prayer. Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, I don't know because it's going to be different for different individuals but it can include all of the good stuff that is available in order to get there. Your work is not to figure that out, but to keep the vision so sharp that you can't tell the difference between the vision and your life. Some part of you thinks you're already there. You look up and you pack and somebody said, well, where are you going? And you almost have to come, too, to realize, oh, shoot, I don't have it yet. But, but you know it's coming. So you're like, I may as well get packed now. But if you're not packing and you haven't moved nothing, if whoever your, your beloved partner is, if they don't even have nowhere to sit in your house, it ain't coming. 
There's something that you are doing to prepare you and your environment for what is, because here's the test. You don't do that unless you believe it. If you don't think they're coming for dinner, you don't buy no food. And cooking it and preparing it and setting the table, you're not doing that. But if you really think they're coming, you run in there, throw that jacket off, and get to that kitchen to get something together. You get on the phone and get it, get it ordered in, whatever you're going to do. There's some something you're doing. But if you're not doing none of that, you don't believe it's happening. Okay. All right. So, um, so look. <laughs> By now, y'all ought to be singing in unison. I can see clearly now. <laughs> so let us just go within and allow our eyelids to close. I can see clearly now. I know that I know that I know. I know that there is only one life, one principle in the universe, one love, one truth, one intelligence. And it is my life now. And it is the life of each and every single one of us. And it is the life of heart and soul center of light. And I am thankful for this high consciousness today. I am thank thankful for the gathering, the beloved community, the inspiration, the song, the words. I am thankful. And as each one of us goes our individualized ways, I'm just thankful for what we brought to this service and what we're taking away. And I release this word and so it is. Ashe, Ashe, oh.